Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. Hi, I'm Gabriel Carrillo from the EdTech Bytes Podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to episode 110 of the Google Teacher Podcast, your source for the latest Google for Education news, tips, tricks, and ideas you can use in class tomorrow. I'm Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook. And I'm Casey Bell from ShakeUp Learning. And today we are talking all about how we can use Google tools to teach remotely. So we're talking about e-learning days. We're talking about possible closures due to the coronavirus, all kinds of different situations that you may be facing and how Google can help support you and your students. And of course, we've got some Google news and updates, some mailbag List from our listeners, we've got some some actual voicemails I'm excited to play and Ooh. something from the blogosphere. So, Matt, you ready to do this? Yeah, let's get this going. So to kick off our Google News and updates today, this is going to be kind of the theme through the entire uh, episode today. Uh, we've got a post about... It says, with school closures, teachers can keep their lessons going remotely. And so this is some of the the recent Google news that goes along with all of this. And, um, you know, one of the one of the reasons I think that we wanted to do this episode is because it gives us the opportunity to look at the idea of remote teaching. You know, whether you've got the the closures to due to the coronavirus or COVID-19 or, um, you know, anything related to that or not. And there are lots of things that we can use our Google tools to do. And you'll probably find that some of the ones suggested in this post are, are things that you're familiar with, but maybe, maybe not. So um, of course, one of the big things that they lean on that they suggest through this post is the use of Google classroom. Um, you know, talking about opening up a discussion in the stream um, about whatever it is that you're, you're studying. You can use comments in Google docs to have that two way discussion so that you can add a comment to a specific part or even reply to it to keep those comments nested. Of course, you've also got Google Forms quizzes that you can use that have auto-grading features. You can embed videos and images into all of those. So there are lots of opportunities for formative assessment, summative assessment, that kind of thing uh, when it comes to that. Then, of course, you've got Hangouts Meet, which allows you to do... uh, you know, to do video calls, to connect face-to-face with your students and even turn on the live captions so that they can read the words instead of just having to, to hear them. 
Then they also suggest using Google Forms to create what they call mood check-ins to do, you know, to, to incorporate some social emotional learning aspects within your, your class, especially if you're not getting to see students to face to face, being able to do some of that is also a good thing. And again, with a lot of these things, like I was saying earlier, a lot of these things are, are things that we might consider doing when class is regular in session and we're face to face with our students too. So lots of possibilities, lots of options available in this post to help us, whether we're teaching remotely or, you know, like I was saying, some of the things we can do when we're teaching face to face too. And to go along with that, Google was one of the first companies to announce that they are making their premium features of Google Hangouts meet available to schools and businesses that have been affected by the coronavirus. So as more employees, educators, and students are forced to work remotely, they wanted to make this available. So if you happen to be at a school that is affected by this, then your G Suite admin will have to enable it. And they've got details in the post from the G Suite updates blog. So this will give you some more capabilities that are not in the free version. If you remember, Google now has what they call the G Suite for Education Enterprise version. That's the paid upgrade. And so these are some of those few features that fall into that umbrella. But it's really nice that not not only Google, but other companies have jumped in on this. And I also want to point out the fact that we're recording this a couple weeks ahead of time. So we don't actually know what the state of this may be by the time this airs, but we just feel like this is good preparation for whatever we may face. And of course, distance learning is something that a lot of us deal with and work with every single day. So just good tips to help us all along. Absolutely. So, so let's switch gears just a little bit. I've got a, another post from the keyword blog. So we've got a post here about Lillian Rincon, who works for Google, for the uh, Google Assistant team. And she talks about how math gave her a voice and led her to her passion. This is kind of a cool thing. I think this is so relevant to what we do in education. And so uh, within this post, it talks about how uh, Lillian, uh, she moved from Venezuela to Vancouver, Canada. She's half Chinese and half Spanish, didn't speak any English. And math really sort of opened things up for her. She says, math is a kind of universal language. So it was the only subject I could keep progressing in without having to start from scratch because I couldn't understand what people were saying. And so, of course, this ended up parlaying itself into her job as the senior director of Google Assistant. And so it's really interesting to hear her, um, you know, her experiences. She talks a little bit about her time uh, in school where she was playing volleyball. She ended up being a uh, college athlete. And then she, they ask her, do you have any advice for women entering the, the technology field? Which, of course, you know, this is super cool if we're wanting to encourage uh, the girls in our classes to get into technology, to get into computer science and everything. And she said, look inward. Figure out what you're passionate about and what you want. You need to identify these things and then tell your colleagues and your managers. And if you don't tell them, it's hard for them to help you. When you communicate your goals and passions, people will step in to help you, which is so cool, you know, um, to make sure that that we've identified what our goals and passions are and to let other people uh, in on it. 
And to tag onto that, so Miss Lillian also wrote a second post that's on the keyword blog. And this one is all about celebrating Women's History Month. And when you ask your assistant, Happy International Women's Day, you'll learn about one of 12 extraordinary women. And so they've got all of these really interesting women in history that you can learn about by using the Google Assistant. And they've got some super fun questions that you can ask as well. And in fact, Matt and I were testing this out before we started. And I didn't even have my Google Assistant plugged in. And apparently it's mad at me since I have not used it. But it worked for a little bit. But now for some reason, I think it's dead. <laughs> but we did try because I was really curious. There are lots of little triggers here you can try. Hey, Google, play a podcast about inspirational women. Oh, wait, it's listening. Okay, I found nine podcasts for you to try. Let's start with Inspirational Women of Portsmouth. Okay, yay, it's working, so it's probably going to start playing. <laughs> Hello. Hey, Google, stop. <laughs> I didn't think it was working anymore because <laughs> it had completely stopped responding to me. So the other one that was really fun was about who runs the world. And so I've already tested this one a couple of times and it says something different every time you ask it. So when you ask who runs the world, the first time I got Oprah, the second time I got the Girl Scout. So let's see what the third times the charm is. Hey, Google, who runs the world? Girls. Like Marta, the only soccer player, male or female, named FIFA World Player of the Year five years in a row. Her goal for Brazil in the 2007 World Cup is considered one of the coolest goals in history. Seriously. It was awesome. <laughs> Seriously, it was awesome. So uh, just some fun tidbits. And I love the fact that they are bringing in the culture and we're celebrating women during Women's History Month in the, the month of March. And there are lots of links built into this. So there's lots of connections back to guess what, Matt? Google Arts and Culture. Yay, Google Arts and Culture. Yay. Yay, Yay Google Arts and Culture. Yay. Yay. So they have an entire page dedicated to women in culture now on the Google Arts and Culture page. So even if you're not using the assistant in your classroom, these can still trigger some good conversations and things that maybe you could bring up in class. Um, you could also use the Arts and Culture webpage for some really awesome resources to help inspire the girls and young women in your classrooms. Yeah, absolutely. Lots of resources you can use there. So if you want to check any of those out that we've been talking about, please do head to our show notes at googleteacherpodcast.com slash 110. Okay, y'all, let's jump into some ideas and tips for distance learning, remote learning, e-learning, whatever you want to call it. Um, these are various titles that may pop up throughout these conversations. I want to kick things off with actually a free PDF document that Google has put out. And it's called Tips for Enabling Distance Learning through G Suite in Chrome. And they've essentially just put together, I think it's only what two, two pages long, just some quick tips. Now, as we've mentioned before, these are tips that will come in handy for a lot of different reasons. So just keep in mind what you need to use them for. They have these listed out as challenges and then some tips for reaching the challenges. And by the way, if you haven't been paying attention, the Google for Education Twitter account has also been asking for remote learning tips. So you can submit those. They have a Google form set up for that as well. 
So one of the challenges that we may be facing is developing educator understanding of distance learning and digital tools. And guess what? We can't throw this at them once they're stuck at home. (laughs) That, That can't happen. We have to plan for it. So some tips are to reach out to Google for education and certified innovators and trainers who are sharing their best practices and strategies and to follow Google for EDU on Twitter for ongoing tips and to visit the Teacher Center. So remember, Google for Education has the Teacher Center with free online training. So if you still have some reluctant teachers who are not really embracing where these tools are going and you're feeling a push to make sure everyone is ready for the possibility of some remote learning, that is definitely a good resource to check out. Now, another thing that I think will actually segue into something Matt wanted to share as well is that distance learning without home internet, right? Everybody doesn't has, have access access at home. They don't all have devices and sometimes they're sharing devices when they're at home. So there are a lot of different ways to approach this. Some teachers can prepare interactive lessons in Google Slides and enable that offline use. So if you didn't know how to do that, by the way, you can enable offline use for individual files and have them those work offline. And I actually have a blog post on how to do this. But Matt also has some tips, I think, on doing this on Chromebooks. Right. Yeah, there's... There's a, there's a lot that you can do with those Chromebooks, even when you don't have internet access. You know, I, I know a lot of times uh, whenever schools are one-to-one, especially with Chromebooks, but this also works with a, a whole variety of devices. Um, a lot of times teachers will say, yeah, but if we send them home and students don't have Wi-Fi at home, then what are they going to do? It's almost like, you know, they turn into bricks and <laughs> there's nothing that you can do with them which is completely not the case. You have so many different possibilities when it comes to using those Chromebooks offline. And like Casey said, you can make your you can make your individual files available offline. So, um, you know, for us in here in Indiana, we have this thing that we call e-learning days where instead of having a cancellation for weather, we will send our students home with their devices and then they're able to work on those things whenever they're at home. And one of the big arguments about that is the the same thing. Oh, not all students have, you know, solid internet connection at home. Well, if you know ahead of time, now I know if we're doing cancellations, you know, because of the coronavirus or whatever, and we don't know how long it's going to be, this may be a little trickier. But if you know what's coming ahead of time, having students mark some of those files as available offline, then they can work on them. I mean, they could work on them on the bus. They could work on them at home. They could work on them really wherever. So if you've got something set ahead of time and they're able to do that, that's a super easy way to do it. There are, of course, ways also to set up, set it up so that so much of your um, Google Drive is available offline too. So you know, there's there's different ways to do that as well. I've got a post um, if you go to the show notes, which again is at googleteacherpodcast.com slash 110. Um, there's a post called how to use Chromebooks offline for e-learning days and homework. Um, that's going to walk you through it. And using, you know, using a lot of the tools that are available in G Suite, that's easy. That's definitely one place where we can do it. You know, you can create a brand new file in, you know, docs and slides and sheets and so many of the tools, you can create those new files while you're offline. Um, 
But then there are also tools, there are other tools that will let you work while you're offline as well. Um, you know, for instance, I'll, I'll give you a couple of them. If you use the Screencastify Chrome extension to record your screen or to record with the webcam, that's one that will work while you're offline. And then it say, it'll just save that file to your Google Drive whenever you get back online. So that's a possibility. There's also the awesome screenshot Chrome extension that captures images of your screen while you're offline. So if you can imagine taking a picture of a screen and then being able to annotate on it, you can save it as an image file or a PDF. Um, there's another one that I found too. Um, and this one's just a just a Chrome app. Um, and it's it's the camera by turncameraon.com. Uh, this is just a real simple one. You know, if you're looking for something simple and easy, uh, this is one where it just activates your webcam. You can take a picture and then you can save that picture. And so if you want to, you know, take a picture with your webcam and make it super easy, that's that's another one. Of course, you've also got the emoji keyboard for Google Chrome. So you can even add emojis to your stuff while you're offline too. So Lots and lots and lots of possibilities for using these Chromebooks whenever they're offline. And I had a really interesting experience. I just posted at the time of this recording. So I posted a bonus episode of the Shake Up Learning Show on March 6th. And I interviewed a teacher, an American teacher who is actually from Texas, who was in China when the outbreak happened. She was teaching at an international school. And she learned very quickly how, how she needed to get out of the country when everything started going down. And she shared her experience with me on the podcast, which is very powerful, just emotionally thinking of what this was like for her being over there in a foreign country, uh, in an international school with kids from all over the world and how they're now addressing their remote learning or what they're actually calling home learning. And I like that verbiage for a lot of different reasons. And I learned a lot from what Jennifer Pearson, did I say her name? Her name is Jennifer Pearson. I loved what she shared because a lot of us, especially the techie folks, we're thinking about the technology in this. And yes, we need technology, but at the same time, Depending on the reasons for school closure, like, you know, Matt said, if it's a snow day and it's predictable, that's a completely different scenario than being quarantined or stuck at home for weeks. And so Jennifer has now at, at the point of the recording, her students had been doing home learning for four weeks. And that's a long time. And students have very different needs. And I think we also have to keep in mind those hierarchy of needs and having those check-ins with our students, making sure that they're okay, but also that every assignment doesn't have to be in front of a computer. First of all, they may not have enough computers to share. If mom and dad and the students are at home, everybody could be having to share devices, even if they have devices. So we have to keep all of those types of situations in mind. And one of the biggest tips that Jennifer gave me is we got to have a lot of grace. We're going to have to be very flexible that this does not look like a regular school day, that we do not have hard and fast deadlines like we do in a regular school day because they're just things that are out of our control and unpredictable. And we have to be very forgiving of what may be going on in these different situations at home. And especially with the little ones, when you think about it, who's really going to carry that burden? It's the parents, 
who are at home making sure this is happening. So another big tip that she shared was making sure that you have a regular communication with parents. So if this ends up taking several days or several weeks that you're sending a daily email to parents to let them know what's going on. She also recommended checklists and templates and simplifying things and not really like throwing brand new tools at everyone because that's not the time to learn a new tool. It just isn't. So that's why we need to be prepared. And that's why I feel like episodes like this are so important. So just in case we can be ready. Now, there there may be people listening because we do have listeners from all over the world who are already in this situation. And of course, we want to hear from you as well. But just to to reiterate that it's not just about the technology and that it's not really just, oh, we're all going to use Hangouts or we're going to use Zoom or we're going to do this this one thing. It's not really as simple as that. And this could be a much more complicated social and emotional issue for students and teachers. Yeah. And I love the I love that that she used the word grace there. You know, I heard flexibility and communication and yeah, whenever whenever you're outside of your your norm like that, that's that's super important. I'm so glad that that we that that you mentioned that and that she mentioned that that um you know that's that's got to be a, a really important factor in all of this. I think um, now as you're trying to wrap your brain around what some of this stuff might look like, um, you know, with <laughs> with everything that that we've said in mind, if you're wanting to kind of wrap your brain around what it might look like. I've got a couple of lesson ideas that, that could be a sign that, that could totally work. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier that you can always create a template that students can access later. And so, um, you know, by opening up a brand new slide presentation and creating some sort of activity, you know, a place where students can fill things in, where they can drag things over, where they can add images or whatever, making that template, maybe even like a graphic organizer, um, and then marking that as available offline. Um, that's that's definitely a way that that this could work. We talked earlier about images. Um, you know, another way to to be able to take pictures with your device, even if it is offline, is to go into, you know, if you're using docs or slides or drawings or whatever, go to insert image with the camera. And of course, that accesses your webcam, turns your webcam on. And so once that webcam is on, there's a variety of things that you can do. Um, you know, even being able to take pictures around the house, taking pictures of manipulatives, taking pictures of, um, you know, whatever the student is working on and then kind of doing a step-by-step can work. And then if you're using something like slides or drawings, being able to annotate on it and showing, you know, here are the steps or maybe putting, you know, little shapes with numbers and being able to identify what's going on with each one of those numbers. Of course, another thing that you can do with slides that is pretty easy to set up is to create a PDF ebook. And I know Casey's created some resources about this and I've created some resources about this. You know, it can be just as simple as making a slide presentation, uh, having students make a slide presentation, um, using the slides as the pages in the book, and then going to file, download it as a PDF. And being able to create something like that to turn in could be really, really good too. So lots and lots of possibilities. Those are just a few of them. And the great thing about a lot of those is that you can start with pretty minimal instructions 
and then let the students go from there. And it really is sort of fascinating to see sometimes whenever we keep the instructions minimal and the kids have a clear idea of what we're, we're studying, it's interesting to see the direction that they take. So maybe, you know, this could potentially be sort of a blessing in disguise where whenever they're able to go kind of run with things and take it in their own direction, then, you know, it'll, it'll be fun to see what they come up with. And it's also important to note that this doesn't change our learning goals. You know, just because we're working from afar doesn't mean that the tech is going to rule everything, that we're really still focused on the content and not the technology. It doesn't change what we should be evaluating. And Nadine Gilkison shared um, on Twitter this. I just happened to catch this the other day, this wonderful Google Slides template that she uses for her e-learning days. And it's already built out. It's super cute, by the way. It's for third grade, but you can adapt this. Um, She's made it available so you can go make a copy in our show notes. But she has it broken down by the subject area. She's got that checklist. She's also embedding those ideas to think about when you're planning the things that are going to be different, like making sure you use things like templates and keeping it visual, less clicks, right? We want fewer places for students to get distracted, fewer ways that they get confused. And she's put all of this into a really handy little e-learning day template in Google Slides. Of course, y'all know we're going to hit on Google Slides (laughs) if we're talking Mm -hmm. The other thing that she shared, which I found really useful, was her her website that's all about her e-learning day resources. So even though, again, this is really designed for the inclement weather type of e-learning where they are maybe not completely predictable, but, you know, maybe where you live, Matt, you kind of expect that you might have one of these (laughs) when it gets cold. Uh So down here, you know, we're just hiding under tables when the tornadoes hit. So um, that's that's a little bit different. But I do think there are a lot of these things that we can transfer over. And I appreciate that she shared that and gave us permission to share that as well. So there are so many different resources and ways to approach this, but we we want to keep it simple. We don't want to overcomplicate this as you contemplate what is happening, what could possibly happen, and how you're going to plan for it as a school leader or as a classroom teacher. But as I mentioned earlier, you know, not only Google jumped on board with making some of their premium features available to schools affected by the virus, but lots of others have made it available. In fact, Screencastify is on that list. And I know we've already hit on that one at least once in this episode, but Screencastify can be super easy. And in fact, Jennifer, who I mentioned earlier, she said that has been like a lifesaver, just being able to record quick videos and get those out to kids. So, um, you know, Edpuzzle, Pear Deck, Kahoot, there's a whole list. We're, we're putting these in the show notes for you as well. But just knowing that these companies are out there and ready to support you with the additional features that you may not have because you don't have the paid version just makes things a little bit easier. Now, if you want to hear the interview that I did with Jennifer. That will be in our show notes as well as I want to announce that she's doing a free webinar. And it's just going to be on these same ideas and tips and the lessons that she learned from this experience. So by the time this episode ends, we'll have already conducted the webinar, but you can watch the replay. And I'll make sure I have that in the show notes for you. And you can find those show notes at googleteacherpodcast.com slash 110. There's a letter in your mailbox. Hey, you know what? This is all your mail. Hey, maybe I'll give you a call sometime. You've got mail. 
All right, we've got a couple of quick mailbag entries for you. We've got a couple of voice messages. You do know we love those voice messages, right? This first one comes from Lisa Munley. She is a tech coach from Scranton, Pennsylvania, and a new listener to the Google Teacher Podcast. So Lisa, take it away. Hi, Matt and Casey. This is Lisa Munley, and I'm a technology coach for the Diocese of Scranton in Pennsylvania and a new listener. I was fortunate to meet Matt after his keynote at Pete and C in Pittsburgh and to chat with him a little bit. When he mentioned the podcast, I knew I had to check it out. I have a tip for other new listeners and then a question for all. Being new, I plan to just listen to the few most recent episodes and then to check in each Monday, thinking that the older apps might have a lot of out-of-date information. But I want to share that I went back to the single digits and have found countless tips, ideas, and resources that I can still use now. So don't hesitate to go back to the first season, even if you're just getting into the podcast. That being said, I drive a lot working with teachers in 20 schools covering five counties, so I have plenty of time to listen. Can some of you share with me how you make notes for yourselves while you're driving and listening? I use the show notes constantly, but wonder if any of you have any additional ideas. Thanks for all you do to bring us the latest in the world of Google for Education, Matt and Casey, and I look forward to next Monday. Well, Lisa, we are thrilled to have you listening. I was thrilled to get to chat with you in Pittsburgh at the Pete and C conference. And um, I think that's a, that's a great tip. If you are a newer listener to this show or really to any podcast, it's not a bad idea to go back to those early episodes. You know, we, we all do love a good Netflix binge or maybe a, Disney Plus binge or whatever it is that you like to watch. And so being able to go back and listen to several of them like that, especially hitting some of your favorite topics is a good idea. And and she did have the question of how do you make notes when you drive and listen? That's that's sort of a tricky thing. I'm sort of the same way. I like to listen to podcasts a lot when I drive. And, you know, that's part of the reason that we have our show notes on our website. So you can, of course, go to googleteacherpodcast.com and go to any one of those episodes and we'll have some of those ready for you. But if you want to take your own notes, you know, you've got a variety of ways that you can do that too. I think probably one of my favorite ways to do it is to use the Google Keep app. And I'll just have that Google Keep app open. And if there's something that I want to take a note of, if I can click on that little microphone and, you know, do some, some voice dictation, then that way I don't have to take my eyes off of the road. And of course, if you have, you know, I know for me, I've got an Android phone. And so all I have to do is ask Google to take a note for me and just, you know, just use that, that command, take a note, and then you'll tell it what you want to, to take as the note. And then it sticks, sticks it right into Google keep there for you. So, um, you know, you've got a couple of different ways to, to do that. Those are, those are just some ideas anyway. And our next voice message comes from Adrian Farrow. And Adrian is a special ed teacher from Oregon with a unique question about Google Forms. So take it away, Adrian. Hi, my name is Adrian Farrow, and I am a special education teacher in Oregon City, Oregon. I have a question regarding Google Forms. I know that it is possible to do text to speech on a Chromebook, but is it possible for Google Forms to read the question out loud to the student rather than doing text to speech. I think that it would be easier for my students when they take quizzes or surveys on Google Forms to be able to click a button and hear the question right away rather than highlighting the text and activating speech to text, excuse me, text to speech. Please let me know. There has to be a way, right? 
Thanks. So we hear this question a lot. And of course, accessibility features on Chromebooks are actually pretty robust. There are a lot of text-to-speech features. There's also the ability of using a tool like Read and Write for Google that will read what's on the screen. Of course, there's tons of screen readers out there, some of them free, some of them paid, and those will work. But one thing that really stands out to me, and I know a lot of teachers are doing this, I'm going to hint hit on another shout out to Screencastify is actually creating a video where you're reading it aloud and then embedding that video in the Google form is a super easy way to do this. And in fact, it can help all of our students, not just the ones who need it as a modification, but having that uh, ability to add that audio in there, even if it's just, you know, the screen, we can make that video and put that into our form. So that's just a quick tip there for you, Adrian. And I'm sure there are lots of ways that we can have this read aloud. And if you have more tips to share about this question or any others, please leave us more voice messages. As Matt said, we like to hear these. So go to googleteacherpodcast.com and leave us some feedback or ask some questions. All right, let's jump into the blogs, y'all. <laughs> I have a special interview that I want to share, not just the one with Jennifer, but I also got to talk to our friend Chris Avilas and talk to him about his entrepreneurship program at his school, which is pretty awesome. He blew me away at ISTE last year, and I was like, you got to come on the podcast and talk about this. And the things that he has these kids doing, creating, they're running their own businesses, they're making a profit, and then they're doing good. They are using that money for good and to donate it to changes and things they want to see in their community. So it's a really powerful story that he has to share. And of course, I also mentioned that podcast that I did with Jennifer on the topic that we have today about teaching remotely. But also, if you want to catch the replay of the webinar for online learning tips for school closures, that will be in our show notes as well. Yeah. And so real quickly, I've got a new post on the Ditch That Textbook blog called Eight YouTube-Inspired Classroom Video Ideas. This is part of a whole bunch of content that I'm putting out for my book that's coming up called Tech Like a Pirate, Using Technology to Create Those Memorable Learning Experiences, and video can definitely do that. So we pull from some of the popular types of YouTube videos that are out there and how we can use those hooks to create video in the classroom as well. So uh, there are links to that as well as the resources page for Tech Like a Pirate. I'm sharing a ton of great stuff leading up to the release of the book on that as well. So there's links to all of that on our show notes at googleteacherpodcast.com slash 110. All right, folks, that wraps up another episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. We love having you as a listener. We hope that you're a subscriber. If you haven't subscribed already, we would love to have you do that. And if you haven't done a rating or a review on the show, we would love, love, love to get your feedback. So that wraps it up and we will see you on the next episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts and by visiting our website, googleteacherpodcast.com. Join the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTPod. 
Until next time, keep harnessing that G Suite power and may the Googles be with you. Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech podcast.